really not much I'm afraid to share about my personal struggle. And I think when people see that I'm struggling, they realize that, you know, we're all in this together. We're all going through the same things. And because I'm a little bit more cavalier with what I'll share, the, it sort of fortifies those relationships. People feel like they know me better because I'm sharing something that is exactly what happened to them yesterday. Welcome to episode 141 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have a special guest, Zach Detmore. And I've known Zach for many years now, and Zach has just an incredible personality, very driven, uh, very informed. He spent a lot of time refining his business model. And this conversation was a lot of fun because Zach actually flipped the script a little bit. He uh, interviewed me for part of it. And so we went back and forth and Zach has built an incredible business. He's super organized, very detailed, especially when it gets into scheduling. He understands his strengths, uh, you know, the value he brings to his clients. And we spent a lot of time speaking about his process, how he schedules his day, how he works around content, you know, his relationship with the Build Show and Matt Reisinger and how that came into play. And again, someone who's built an amazing business outside of his day to day business and what that looks like. So without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levin, and uh, I'm excited to bring on a good friend of mine, Mr. Zach Detmore. Welcome, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's, this has been it's, it's been long overdue. I want to have you on forever and for whatever I drug my feet. And uh, for those that uh, do not know of Zach, he's a small-time business owner, but I shouldn't say small-time. You're big-time out on the East Coast, part-time male model, and uh, also <laughs> host of The Build Show you know, with Matt Reisinger. So glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. You know, with being a guest on the podcast, you really want to, you really want to get like when the podcast is peaking. Yeah, you want to be like the first six episodes when no one's listening, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. You want to be on at, at our highest point, and you know, having Zach on, we're going to hit an even higher point. So that's exactly. that's good about it. Peak, it could only go down from here. <laughs> oh no, it'll go up. I Zach, you have for any any of you just a little plug. I know at the end you're going to kind of share your social media handles and information, but if you want to really enjoy any social media platform, tune in to Zach. Like he has a ton of fun in his videos, great personality. And uh, it's very addicting. I can watch your videos all day. So kudos there, Zach. So maybe we'll start with this. So, um, you know, your your company's grown a lot, which we'll get into a little bit about your growth and experience and everything. And, you know, just for those listening, you know, what is the duration typically of your projects? So here's a question for you that I'd like to ask. No one knows who I am. They don't care about the duration of my project. All right, I'll answer that. Uh, two Two to eight months. So you share a lot on social media, right? Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that's so difficult is, is, is modulating what you're sharing because everyone's going to look at Brad and say, he's got a secret sauce. It's not his work ethic. 
it's not that he's been grinding for years and building skills. It's it's this it's his plumber is why his jobs come out well. It's it's that, you know, project manager he's got. If I can get that project manager on my jobs, everything will be clean sailing. So how do you how do you sort of modulate when you know when you want to keep your cards close to your chest, but also to get that good content, you want to put out helpful, helpful tips about how you run your business and who's in your business. Zach, that's a really good question. It's interesting. I was just uh, speaking with Nick and Morgan about this. We had that that summit, right? And one yeah. of the questions was like, "Well, why?" You know, a lot of us they asked me specifically. Said, "Brad, like your superintendents and PMs have social media handles, which is kind of unique." And they're posting, especially as you know, Paul Lundgren, who works for me. I mean, he's he's super active on the platform. And there aren't you worried about like people DMing him last night. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, I mean, you got to have people poaching like your people. Like this happened to us. People poach our people and taking them. And it's interesting. I've, I've, you know, over the years, I've I've thought a lot about this, and um, I I think the easiest way to answer this is when when I was coming up in the industry, uh, no one wanted to help me. I mean, honestly, like being a young guy, I couldn't get architects to come back. I couldn't get designers. There's other builders here in Scottsdale had no desire like to help or mentor in any way. And so I found that, you know, through the social media platforms that we have, like now, Zach, like, you know, I built a friendship, even though we're not together, we're on opposite coastlines, essentially, but we met at these build shows. We've been friends online. And and it's through those connections where I've like gained a lot of insight and, and information and changed my businesses. What I found is that, um, the reality is like for you, Zach, like anyone that wants to build, they're not you. Like they don't have your personality. They don't have your drive. And you kind of alluded to this, like they don't have your experience. I mean, I, I've listened to your experience on Modern Craftsman. I mean, you've been grinding since high school. You, like you've been doing this for a long time. And people may look at Zach and say, okay, well, he's this overnight success. But no, I mean, you've been doing this for like 20 years, a long time. And it's the same thing here that I, I feel enough confidence in like my brand, my culture, my company culture that. I know that I take really good care of my people. I know that we have a great friendship. I know that uh, there's a lot of things that I do to challenge them, but then I'm also supportive in a lot of ways. And so really, I'm not worried about them leaving because I've worked for other companies and I know, I don't want to say how good they have it, but but we're fortunate to have what we have. And so I'm not as worried of them being poached. Um, and more than anything, when it comes to sharing information or business practices, I, you know, in construction, the more people that are running their business right and communicating and setting systems and understand how to price, you know, we just did the summit. I had seven of my competitive builders come out and I taught them everything, right, that I'm doing. Wow, and to me, it's, I you know, rising tide, rise, yeah. rising tide raises all ships. I knew you had a couple of locals there, but that's, that's pretty impressive that you had people write, you know, several out of your market out of, there was only, what, 30 people there? Yeah, there's only 30 and with seven of them were from <laughs> Phoenix, you know, so. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, the, and I'm competing against them essentially, but I'm like, but here's, here's at the end of the day, why aren't, here's when I talk about like pool plan scheduling, I'm doing that. So like, why not teach everyone through YouTube, my channels so that they can pool plan? Because if they're scheduling effectively and we're using the same trades, well now, you know, it's going to be better overlap for me and more availability. And hopefully we could clean up the chaos. I mean, the reality is construction market is chaos. And so if as, as a builder group, this isn't about to collude, it's not to like uh, control pricing in a market. It's, it's really, how, how do we create level ex- expectations and playing fields for our customer base too? Because a lot of them don't know. And if, if none of us are communicating that well, it just makes it really difficult for everybody. I, I love that you say that because I, I've sort of come around to that mentality that 
a rising tide raises all ships. I think that's what you're getting at. And it's, it takes a while to sort of bring people around to that mindset that uh, AFT is charging this, this price, Zach Detmore is charging this price for a renovation. And here's why this is a justifiable price because you're paying your people a living wage and you're um, managing the jobs and avoiding that chaos and offering this customer service. And it's, it's a mentality to not be um, in competition, but to sort of better the whole industry. But there, there are people who are new that are, you know, that's a, that's, it takes experience to sort of get that mentality because especially now with, at least in my market, there, there are a lot of people starting businesses because it's very easy to go out and sell a couple hundred thousand dollar renovation because um, there's no, there's not enough labor force, right? So um, the experienced people have long lead times and, you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, push that mentality on someone starting their business. Hey, don't, don't sell that for a hundred thousand. Here's why I would sell it for 250 and you should go out and get the proper insurance right now. You should do this properly. So you're sustainable if the market, you know, if we have issues long-term, but you're right. I love it. Well, I love what well, you say. Well, hold on, Zach. I mean, this is, this is what's interesting. I mean, you, you touched on this a little bit is that, you know, you talked about the education side. You, one, one of my issues as a contractor, at least this has been the case for many years, you know, people are like, oh, you're just in construction, right? I mean, we've kind of had this mentality, maybe low end of the totem, totem pole as far as, you know, careers, you know, and, 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 and people are realizing, um, I was just a guest on another podcast and there's a, a guy, he goes, you know, blue is the new white and essentially that, you know, blue collars become the new white collar because there's a lot of opportunity in the blue collar industry, right? And Elon Musk talks about this, that there's a ton of opportunity in blue collar and people are realizing that and maybe social media has kind of helped us a little bit, Zach, where you can showcase some of the fun things you're doing. And it's a really hard business and it's really hard. It's very complex, right? And people don't realize how complex our business is. And, and where I'm getting at with education is that I did a post about, um, you know, the net zero house we're doing. And I don't want to say a troll, but someone had commented, they're like, hey, you could save a ton of money. Just like don't hire a contractor, just run it yourself. Right. And it was interesting because I'm like, you know, today, you know, I've been in building houses professionally out of college for 18 years now. And I'm like, man, I, the house we built today is so much better than 18 years ago. And, and this has been a continual, like continuing education. And, you know, homes today are so complex and you can't just like have it self-managed by the trade force and, you know, no strike against them, but there are a lot of limitations with them and their structure, their companies, and they just come out for a piece rate or they're in and out. And if you're not checking them and making sure things are like flashed properly and water tested and you know, there's just a lot of details in our construction process. And, and so what, what I think is really great about like what you do, Zach, and the build show, just a plug there. And, you know, a lot of us that we're trying to say, okay, here are some products in the market. Here are some techniques. Here are some, you know, the education side. So what ends up happening is the clients are more savvy. And so you're creating value. I'm not worried about my competition. I'm like, well, I hope that they're, you know, in Phoenix, I went for a long time, people were doing black paper, not flashing windows. And you're like, hold on. Like if you're doing this anywhere else, like you'd be sued like crazy. There'd be mold everywhere. But you get away with it because it's dry here to some extent, but why not show how we're doing this? You know what I mean? No flashing on windows, pretty standard here. <laughs> I don't think that worked very well in New Jersey, but the reality is, I mean, the more we can educate the clientele and the public and then our trade partners, you know, it's a great idea. Why not do that? I mean, there's enough work for good qualified builders and really what you're creating value and people see that. I've noticed that my clients see that value and they, 
they know that, hey, like every day as a company, AFT, we're striving to be better than the day before. And we've made a lot of mistakes in our career. I mean, we could spend two hours of podcast talking about all of the mistakes I've made, but you know, it, I know that every client gets a better experience and a better process and a better product because, you know, we're continuing to like learn and educate and, and do all we can and, you know, uh, along those lines. So to sort of wrap that up, it sort of sounds like just, am I saying this correctly? Sort of the reason you're okay sharing trade secrets to some degree is because you want to show your, your clients and your competition what you're doing today. But Brad's probably thinking two months, two years down the road, this system you're sharing today is already in the process of being improved. So it's, it's okay to share that right now. It's a great system, but it's not, it's not the last system AFD is going to have. Precisely. And this isn't like a, a conceited thing. I mean, the reality is they're not me, right? They're not you, Zach. Like, like right. I'm confident in who I am and like where we're going as a company. And not only that, it's just the pool plan, for example. Like it's taken us, we've been working at this for years to like refine this process and we're getting better and we find another techniques. And so you're always looking one step ahead essentially, but you know, ideally you're, you're educating that so that people have, they can see it. Right. And, and, and see what we're doing. And so, yeah, you, the reality is there is a lot, you said this early on in the conversation, that work ethic, I think behind the scenes, people don't see the amount of time and effort that goes into everything that, that someone's doing in their company. And that, you know, that gets lost in translation because as you mentioned, the barrier of entry is very low in construction and people don't understand the complexity of building and then not only building, but warranty and callbacks and how that future uh, continues to grow, right? With the projects you've already done. Yeah, Th this sort of brings me to another question. Um, with share, you know, with not showing that hard work, because a lot of what you do is, is going to be a very boring uh, social media post of Brad you know, late at night in front of his computer sitting at a desk, right? No one wants to see this boring time lapse. I, I find myself making comparisons against myself, um, comparing myself to people like you, people who have more success. And, you know- Well, define success. Hold on. I mean, what, you say more success, but what does that mean? Because I, I could say the same thing. I look at Zach and I'm like, man, he's created like this amazing brand, this product, this personality on this platform. Uh, not that we're envious, you and I, but like, yeah. you know, I can envy that aspect of it. And and I think this is a big part before even like going down the road where I assume you're going to go with this question is that, you know, as people, we have to understand what success means. What is that? My yeah. success may be different than yours. Uh, for some people, it's money. For some people, it's time. For some, I, whatever. Or maybe it's like growth of your business, you know, mm -hmm. balance sheet numbers. I, It's just, you have to understand what that means to you first. Well, I think the thing I envy about you is is uh, when I see you playing basketball, I'm <laughs> horrible at basketball. Like, I'm never going to run a construction company. And, like, I, it's not like golf. We'll get to golf later, but I've never tried golf. But I have tried basketball, and it's just, I'm just <laughs> it's a disaster. Like, a disaster. So, um, I, I'm, I'm sort of working through my spiritual process in life. I'm trying to figure out what success is um, to me and what, you know, on my deathbed, I can say, I have no regrets. This is, this is the way I wanted to live my life. But it is so hard when you're so involved with social media to not sort of take this snapshot of what Zach's putting forward. Great job, whatever it is. I'm on vacation, right? I'm not posting like, 
hey, I'm at the DMV, my license is <laughs> right? So um, I guess just I wanted to see if you could speak to sort of um, how we do portray a certain image because we want to put our best foot forward. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I think, uh, and and I'll give kudos to you, Zach. I think you do a good job about this is that, um, and, and maybe I'll start this way. When you and I had dinner, when I was out there in New York last time and we went to dinner, I was speaking at that LinkedIn conference and um, one of the most interesting comments at that conference the night before was there was a lady who's very popular on LinkedIn. She, you know, she's in the medical field and she spoke about it from the female perspective. She said, you know, there, there's maybe a pressure, you know, or at least she feels that from her perspective, from a female that I always have to be like this perfect mom. I have to be like a business professional. I have to look a certain way, have my makeup done, my hair done right. And she said, why? Like, there's all this pressure on me. And so what she started doing is she just went on LinkedIn and she'd be super organic. You know, I'm getting on, I'm in the morning, I have no makeup, my hair's not done. And she's like, for me, that was a huge deal because everywhere I go, I'm with makeup, even I'm going to grocery store, right? Right. And it was interesting because really what she was trying to convey, she said, look, the reality is you just have to be yourself and people will connect. And yeah, you're going to have people that criticize like, because you're always going to have that. But for the most part, you know, this, this network you're building, they're going to connect because they see you for who you are. And so to that point, Zach, I think for me is that sometimes maybe we look at other people at their growth or how many likes they got or comments or maybe views on a certain post. And you know, everyone's platform is different. Everyone's products different. Everyone, what they're advertising and then algorithms, you know, I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing. So at, at the base of it, if you're just yourself, if you're a person like this is who I am, take it or leave it kind of thing. And, and, you know, I think that people can relate. And what I found, and it's Matt, Matt and I have had a lot of talks about this, Matt Reisinger. And he always said, cause I was always big on, you know, Monday through Friday. And, and it's not really strategy. It's just kind of how we've done it. It's Monday through Friday. Most of my posts are like business related, you know, about AFT and, you know, our projects and everything we're doing. And then weekends, a lot of times, and you'll see the Zach, I'm doing stories like at the kids' soccer games or, you know, different events, or I mean, playing basketball, I mean, whatever it is. And so, what is that? A lot of basketball. There's a lot of basketball for me. And, and in fact, tonight we got a, a big game tonight. But the thing is, like, so. I do these things because now what I found is my customer base and my network, they, it's relatable. They're like, Hey Brad, I play golf or I play basketball or I, I, I want to hire you because you do have a family and you have kids. And so you can build a brand around just who you are, whatever that is. in just a very non-soliciting way. Mm -hmm. I like it. But I mean, you do that. I mean, I feel like you've done a great job and just showing the camaraderie with you and your team and yourself and you know, this is who I am. And it's like, and hopefully one of these days you're going to join a country club. Cause I've been telling Nick with Dennis Billers, and he's like, Brad, are you serious? Like, do I really need to start playing golf? And I'm like, yeah, you have to because that's where. So that, that's the question. Do I, do I need to play golf? Is that essential from a business owner in my. Yeah. The biggest mistakes in my career. I didn't play golf soon enough. Like I didn't take a golf class in college. I didn't play growing up. Like I just did. I didn't take it till I was in the late my twenties. And you know, the reality is like, and, and maybe my market, well, it's not just my market. I mean, golf is lack of a better word, to lead sport. There's a lot of people that have wealth that play golf. And so our clientele that you and I are looking for are in that market. And here in Scottsdale specifically, they're members at the country clubs and they play. And I've even found when I'm on family vacation, maybe I'll sneak out early morning, play a quick round because you get paired up. Case in point, this weekend, we were at a charity tournament uh, in San Diego. Didn't you crush it at that? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, luckily I have my brother. My brother's like super good. So 
he, he's a really good golfer. So yeah, we got second place at the in and out tournament. It's kind of a big tournament. So yeah, it's pretty good. We got pretty lucky, but, um, but we, we went out early morning. We, we went out at 5 AM the next day and we got on with two other guys. And one of them is this big time exec exec, you know, in San Diego. The other one was like from the Bay area, right in California. And so what I found, I've played in these rounds and like, you'll just meet the most amazing people. And so it's just when you're with someone for four and a half hours, it builds different. And then all of a sudden, they're, Brad, what do you do for work? Oh, I own a construction company. And they kind of look at me like, wait, what? You know, and then we talk about it. And, you know, for me in Scottsdale, well, we may be building a Scottsdale moving from California. And so it's interesting. I've had leads come from golf that, um, for that plug that it is, you know, that we're talking about. So, all right. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I guess, what do I have to do? Start with a class or something? <laughs> Yeah, you might want to take some lessons here. I'll just post a Saturday, like 5 a.m. story of like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, call call him Nick, man. You and Nick need to call him. Go get some lessons together. You can meet halfway. (laughs) Meet in Connecticut. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. So, hold on. I'm going to, before you keep hammering me with questions, I'm going to ask you. So, like, why did you start social media? I started social media because my um, pastime is mountain biking, uh, precisely downhill mountain biking, which is, you know, some of the more dangerous. It's super dangerous. Like how, how have you not killed yourself yet? Like seriously, it's so, it's so dangerous. I have uh, a lot of concussions, two wrist surgeries, uh, broken both wrists. I've just had surgery on one, but uh, I had one particularly bad crash where I broke this wrist. And, um, so I was sitting on job sites, nothing to do. And, um, just sort of telling, uh, my team members what to do. So I just started posting pictures of little, little tricks. Like I posted one of how to, you know, use clamps to store wood on your miter saw and another one, how to use clamps to, uh, <laughs> connect your laser level, uh, just they were all clamp focused. We yeah. <laughs> and that, that was pretty much it. And I, I, connected with, I feel like there were only a couple construction specific feeds at the time on Instagram. And this was, you know, back in the heavy filter day, like everything was this like filter, right? Um, And so I just sort of started there. And the more connections I made, the more relationships I made, um, the more it stuck. And I gained a lot from that because I basically got into the trades at 13, worked for the same company for a decade. I was, uh, I never, and I, this wasn't high end work. Uh, so I always wanted to do better and better and realizing there was this whole world of people who did want excellence and realizing that people knew so much more than me and I could learn so much, um, was just, was just such a gift. It's interesting. I mean, when did you start to see your growth really increase? Because um, one thing, it's interesting. And and the reason I bring it up is because everyone's follower base is different. And I know that some of the connections I've had have a big amount of followers, you know, they'll reshare maybe something I've done and you'll gain a couple of followers, you know, but what's interesting is you shared some stuff about me a couple of times and all of a sudden it's like, damn. 800 followers. I'm like, man, Zach has this like incredibly loyal fan base that you've built. And you probably don't even know that because I'm telling you this for the first time. But, you know, how have you cultivated this very unique network 
because you have a lot of people that respect you and your process and just everything you put out on that platform. I think, I think making a connection with people. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a harsh critic of myself and there's really not much I'm afraid to share about my personal struggle. And I think when people see that I'm struggling, they realize that, you know, we're all in this together. We're all going through the same things. And because I'm a little bit more cavalier with what I'll share, the, it sort of fortifies those relationships. People, people feel like they know me better because I'm sharing something that is exactly what happened to them yesterday. Um, like the other day, I, I shared a video. Of, I, I dropped a gallon of paint on a you know, several million dollar houses driveway. And I was just like, like a, like a gangster. I picked up the gallon of paint like this. Like, would you, I mean, you have pretty large hands in basketball. You'd probably be fine, but <laughs> like who picks up the gallon of paint like that? Yeah. So I picked it up and then I went, and I was like, and then this is when I showed up to the job. So it's like, you know, circle driveway, manicured lawn. And I just like rang the doorbell. I was like, ah, <laughs> just letting you know. So that I think you know people people see that and they're like okay I I can trust this guy because he's not afraid to show his failures or his successes and I think that builds trust. I love that and and you've you've found a way to be extremely creative. I know you had a post that's probably one of the most viral posts I've ever seen. You had like the the cut edge of two by fours <laughs> and you had one from. I, you know, a remodel you did, historic district, probably 100 years old, and then a new one, and you're showing the difference in grains and stuff. And I swear I saw that post on like a, a thousand different feeds. I mean, everyone reshared that. It's everywhere. It's, it's amusing now. Like, um, there's a couple deck magazines. It's in their brochures. I live in a, a county called Bergen County, and they actually have it in their, in their textbook for, for training firefighters because – um, old growth wood burns slower than new growth wood, and the how far reaching that picture is is just insane. And uh, I've had people I've said, you know, hey, you use that picture, um, and it's mine, and they'll say, no, this isn't yours. I got it off Getty Images. I said, well, that's my garage in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've got sixteen others. Yeah, with, that's but cool. yeah, I don't know. I think that's the other thing I learned about social media is. Um, you have no idea what's going to work sometimes. I, I love that you said that because, I mean, the thing is so many times we try to be, and, and there is, you know, there is, a, um, we, we should, how do I say this? I mean, we should be targeted essentially in, in how we're broadcasting our message and like content to a certain mm -hmm. extent. But then sometimes, like you said, I mean, you have some things that'll go viral and I've had them where you're like, I never thought that I would have done anything like the creativity side. What made you think, hey, you know, this is really interesting. I'm doing this remodel. I bought some new two by fours here. Let's put them next to each other. I mean, just just something that simple, you know, the effect that it's had just in your, you know, your branding. I don't know. I think I think it fascinates me. At the end of the day, I uh, construction fascinates me. How the houses go together, the fact that we're we're you know chopping trees down in the forest, and milling them somewhere else, and then shipping them to a lumber yard, and then framing a house out of them, and then someone else is doing ICF and someone else is, you know, doing it out of hemp and someone else is, <laughs> yeah. you know, just the whole Rammed process. Earth, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, 
it it's fascinating to me and i never i never really get over that and i and it and it's so rewarding when you geek out about something very specific and you get a huge response people who are also interested in that like who who could have who could have thought that you know you would post something uh, you know a kitchen you've done and i'm I'm like zooming in like, oh, yeah, look at look at that quartz. Yeah, I've used that quartz. And oh, yeah. Oh, like, is that a roll fixture? Oh, very, you know, like I'm picking it apart. I'm looking at it like, oh, look at all the look at all the pieces here. But it's fascinating. It's it's, you know, how is this assembled? I, from a young age, I always just took all my toys apart. My mom used to call me a demolition crew because I would just <laughs> dissect everything. And that's how I learned. So the reason I can build a house is because I've taken them apart, you know? <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, to your point there, it's just, you, you said you're fascinated, which is a key word there in what you do, which I know is what creates your energy and passion for the industry and your business. But, you know, for those that are far watching, even if we've, you know, for most people, they're not in construction or maybe they've dabbled in it at some point. Maybe they worked on a frame crew or the summer, like people tell us, and then, you know, they get into their career. But the thing is like, they don't know your business, right, Zach? They don't know my business. And so when you show behind the scenes something that's very mundane or par for the course like you where you're doing this historic remodel or these little tips and tricks is that I've, I've had people say, well, Brad, my job's not interesting. You know, you're building these like amazing houses, you know, so people love this beautiful kitchen and this huge like multi-slider, but I don't do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, first off, I didn't start there. Let's be realistic. You know, I'm doing this little bathroom, powder bath, which is trying to like make ends meet. But, but I always tell them like you or like, Kyle, who I had on with our buildings, I'm like, Kyle does barns. Like he's over, I mean, but he's so creative in like showing you the process of how he builds these things. And, and, and it's like, people just don't understand what goes into the business. So as you just show these little things that are mundane or simple to you and I, people are fascinated by it because they just, they don't know what they don't know. And then it goes back to earlier in the conversation, the education side, that it's very complex to build a house. And the more info, information you put out there, you know, the more that our customer base can gain from that. Yeah, it's, there's so many people, there's, for every bum, there's a seat. So, you know, as much as <laughs> I bet there's, I bet there's, you know, a, a mid 80s Ram truck that has a bigger social media following than you and I put together, right? right? And it's, it's just so some, you know, 18 year old posting his truck and he's killing us. <laughs> so <laughs> It's so true. That's well said. So, um. So build show, where did that come into play? Like, how did you, you know, connect with Matt and, and become part of that? I think, you know, like you, I just met Matt at trade shows and I had a rather, I've, I've always referred to his YouTube channel over my building career um, and respected his work. And then when the opportunity arose, they reached out to me. The only criteria I had was, you know, hey, are you going to, uh, give me any feedback at all about my uh, creativity because like, you know, I'm uh, a little unbridled, I would say. Yeah, right? yeah. So, And they were like, no, nah, do what you want to do. So I was in. And um, there are certain people in this industry that I think are a force for good, you being one of them and Matt being another. And um, I'm, you know, I'm always down to collaborate with people who I who share my values, and my values are th this industry could be improved immensely, and it has to be because we're working in an industry that everything has been industrialized. Our shoes, 
our cars. Everything's made in a factory under perfect conditions. And the, the cost discrepancy between these things, um, you, you know, like if I asked you, Brad, hey, I got $8 million. Go build me a Ford Mustang. You couldn't do it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, no but, I could, but for $8 million, I could buy, you know, plenty of those. So yeah. I think we need to, we need to uh, educate people. And I'm, you know, it's a pleasure to be associated with them. And it's also kind of like a form of, it kind of boxed me into having a different route for creativity. Like they needed a certain quality. They needed better sound. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, this will sort of elevate my whole social media game if I have to um, put a little bit more work in. And um, it has, it's been, it's been a gift just because now my wife and I will have like a content meeting. We'll, we'll script these things, write them out. And now instead of me just sort of jumping in front of a camera and being like, okay, I'm going to give you all this information off the top of my head. There's, we've sort of picked out the salient points and we're, we're putting better content forward. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build a Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build a Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops, you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildatrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. 
And if you want to learn more about Pellet Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. It's interesting. So, you know, without getting into specifics of your agreement, I mean, what you, you mentioned it, it's up to game, you know, preparation and video content and just being more knowledgeable about the topics you're discussing. But, you know, from a content creation side, what, what does that require of your time? You know, the investment side, are you doing a video a week, one a month? I mean, what is what? Because and, and where I'm getting at is that all of us have to multitask. All of us have to understand how to properly plan and manage our schedules projects, whatever it may be. And some of us are better than others at handling all the responsibilities in your life. And like, you've just now added more buckets, right. To that you're trying to hold, you know, how do, how do you manage just the time and, and, and just the value and what's required of that? Um, I'll pull up my schedule and I can tell you exactly how I do it. <laughs> so how do you schedule? What do you use for your scheduling? I just use like an Excel sheet. But Which is great. And do you plan uh, like week ahead, month ahead? I mean, how do you do? And, and before you tell me, I'm just curious how what goes to your mind as you're building your schedule. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's loose because I uh, I still am, you know, re, you know, doing every single part of my business. But basically, if you want to focus on the social media workflow, um, I'm going to do TikTok in Instagram around, you know, after lunch every day. So one of those is going out. Um, and and you're then, actually recording and posting or just posting? I'm just posting at that point. And then I'll, what I've been doing typically is batch recording. So it'll be, you know, I'll do somewhere between two and 40 at a time. Um, and then trickle those out um, over YouTube shorts and TikTok. And so Instagram. you're recording two to 40 like video clips? Yeah. And then you'll the, batch them I mean, out. The 40 would be like a 15 second thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who's, who's editing it? I am. And then, and I'll typically edit them as they're going, as they're getting posted because, um, you know, there's, there's so much such fast moving times things can get outdated pretty quickly mm -hmm. um and, and then are you for editing are you typically using like maybe iMovie or are you going through the app or it just depends on what the content is if it's if it's under a minute it's in the app and then youtube is iMovie yeah and so basically i'll do that every day um and or if I don't get it done, then it'll be sort of in the driveway before I walk into my house at, you know, 530-ish. Yeah. And, um, and then we do like a content meeting Thursday night, my wife and I. So that's what we'll talk about, uh, build, build videos. And we'll, we'll shoot typically two to four in the evening after the, my kids go to bed. So that'll be like an eight to ten situation. Um, and you can typically tell like which ones, like, I'm like, I'm the bill. Yeah. The first one's really strong and then it sort of wears off. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to clear out space to do it in Friday, but basically, um, and then YouTube, I'll typically shoot, um, two months worth in a day if I can. So I'm a couple months out. So that's just sort of, 
well, like I'm going to wait till I have a job site that's ready and I'll shoot that all, but I have enough content sort of first out. Uh, how many, how many YouTube videos are you trying to put out a week? One. Okay. And are you trying to play any, I don't want to say algorithm, but I mean, you're trying to keep them at a certain length, you know, for your, for your videos. Not really. I, I'm not really going after much growth because the topic I've chosen for my YouTube channel is just organization. And it's, you know, these videos are dry and boring <laughs> as can be. So what are you talking just, about? Hold on. So when you talked about OCD for any of you that haven't followed Zach, I mean, you have the most ODs, OCD van I've ever seen. It's like everything's organized. It's perfect in their place. You've shown yourself at your house, like washing your van. You have even now you have like, um, uh, why am I forgetting the name? Like as you're scanning it. So like as you're running out of parts. Oh, like already QR code system, yeah, 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 like QR codes for like all the product in your van. Like it's unbelievable the level of detail. So yeah, I mean, you use the term OCD and what a lot of people don't know is that it's ADHD. <laughs> so um, it's incredibly difficult for me to work efficiently when things aren't where they're supposed to be, right? But I'm wired to not put things back. Like, you know, if there's a garbage can next to me for the seltzer can, I'm just going to leave it out on the desk. I've got all sorts of stuff in front of me. I've got like a wrapper. This was clean when I sat down here, right? Yeah. So like um, people without ADHD, not all of them, right? But they typically are, are like my wife would put things back in their place, even if it, they weren't labeled. I won't. So I have to build these structures around every part of my life to to make me function at a high level because it's very easy for me to like spiral to a place of no productivity so <laughs> there's i put this i put this social media presence forward of being very organized and i i am organized but not because i'm organized by nature i don't know if that makes sense it does <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> but what's amazing is Zach, you've like mentally you you know uh, you know, we all, you know, throughout the years, especially I'm sure if you run a business and now like you understand what motivates you understand what, what, what's not success, but how you organize your day and your schedule and everything around you. And so for you, you understand, Hey, if everything has a label, then it knows where to go. Otherwise it's complete chaos. And so understand that structure will now you build around it. Exactly. And I, I see a lot of contractors struggle with this because I hear this belly aching, like, why well, don't. You know, oh, my, my employees would never keep a van that clean. My employees would never put things where they want. My, and, and I just said, like, well, of course they're not. Because you're, you, you have this where things go in your head. I spent, you know, 10 years being a helper. Um, and there was, it was chaos. And my employer knew exactly where things were. But there was, I couldn't put things back where he thought they were. There was no system for them to fall into. And so... I think that's so commonly overlooked and it's something I'm so passionate about because when people figure out that, oh, if I want to build a successful business, I need to develop systems. Once they figure that out, all of a sudden there's a lot more profitability and success in putting those systems into running a, for example, I'm sort of diverging here, but say I run a company that self-performs like I have. So we do painting and we do 
carpentry. We do the whole bit on a high-end remodel. Um, when, when people like me realize that, they say, wait a minute, I should just become a project manager because I'm hemorrhaging money um, teaching this painter how to tile a floor. They're going to be incredibly inefficient at it. I'm just going to put these systems in becoming a very successful project management company or, or management firm. So what I'm passionate about is, hey, we're going to systemize the mundane. We're going to show you this is how you put a tile down correctly right the first time um, because I, I love the work itself um, more than the business. And, I, and I'm sort of realizing at this point in my life, like, hey, you should probably hire someone who's as excited about building the business as you are about like these tile spaces. <laughs> well, that's what makes you that successful CEO's understanding, you know, again, your strength and like always hiring and speaking about hiring, you know, you always hire someone that's better than you at a certain task. And I can't remember where it was, but someone was just saying, they said, uh, they had heard someone teaching and they said, if, if somebody can be as 60% as competent as you at a certain task, that should be delegated. And I'm like, 60%, like, that's crazy. Wow. But that's really how you can start, you know, building this core. But going back to your point, I mean, the reality is to be successful, you know, especially as a business owner, and you've done this, Zach, is that from the employee aspect, you mentioned when you're in labor, you didn't know where to put things, you didn't understand the process, and so it's just complete chaos. But as a business owner, if you're creating clear expectations, right, for your employees, like what their scope of work is, what they have to do, what they have to perform, how they install tile, how they paint to your standard, and if it's all very clear, or in other words, they go to the van and everything has its QR code and they know where it goes and they know the exact spot. It's going to just breed success because they can come to work and they know how to be successful. You know, it's not just, hey, I need to get inside Zach's brain. No, it's just the big, biggest weakness. And I think this is a strength and you've explained this very well is that to be a successful leader or mentor or business owner, like you have to be able to set those clear expectations and guidelines and then you know, people really understand what, what they should be doing. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And you had a guest on who had it, said it nicely, who said, um, you know, taking those speed bumps out of a process, I think they said yeah. something like that, right? And yeah. that, was, that was such a great way of thinking about it. Like, you, an employee can figure it out, but if you can take those obstacles out of their way, they will figure it out quicker and more efficiently. Um, so, how, so how involved is your wife now in the business? Um, she is certainly more involved, uh, than ever before. We sort of, when we had children about two and a half years ago, she left her job because we were like, oh, we'll just take it easy for the next, um, you know, see how many kids we're going to have. <laughs> see how, take it easy. How many are you going to have? 14? I think I'm going, I'm going for two. We're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> but she, uh. She is probably 25% of, of taking about that amount of work off my plate on the pre-construction and then uh, handling. Like she's pretty much all Builder Trend. So everything that happens in Builder Trend, I, I could pretty much delete the app. So I'm handling field ops and she's handling everything. And that's basically because um, our kids are young, they're at home with her, so she's able to um, still still add a lot of value to the business, but not have to be in an office and commuting into Manhattan. Which is good. I mean, it's important, especially that she could do both. I mean, how, um, how difficult has it been 
you know, just understanding that integration and communication and like separating, you know, those responsibilities or roles of the business aspect. I don't, it's been, I think I've only realized this year how horrible I am to work for. I sort of <laughs> had this, this conceited idea that I was a, uh, you know, like a wonderful person, but I, she sort of gently let me know that and my my motto is sort of like, I don't ask anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do and I'm not doing. But she's like, but you're holding yourself to this totally unrealistic standard. Um, you can't, you know, you can't expect that. And you can't expect people to like rake themselves over the coal the way you break yourself over the coal if you screw up. Right. So I have I, I think I'll be a, a better employer for, for feedback, but it. I'm having, I've had some hard lessons about um, my leadership. And I've also realized that I'm not, you know, I'm not great at it. <laughs> and it, I don't know, I, I sort of brings me to a question you had, which we touched on, but I'll loop back to it is yeah. when you realize in business that, that, and I'm going through this, that you're, you're bad at something that you've been telling your clients you've been good at for like a decade in my case. Uh, one, how do you sort of grapple with the ego hit? But then how do you seek out, for example, I'm looking for my first project manager. I've always done that myself, but I realized, hey, someone can do this better than you. Someone's been educated in doing this. Um, and, and you're not an expert at this. You, you've, you've done it successfully, but boy, did it take a lot more of your energy than it needed to. Um, how do I seek out and invent someone whose whose skills are outside my ability to comprehend. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Zach. I'm trying to think the best way to answer that. I know hire, hiring is something that we've spent a lot of time on the podcast, just speaking different practices. How do you find people? How do you find talent? How do you make sure the person's the right fit? One one thing I'll say and you know, this is like Disney's models that it's like you hire slow, you fire quick. Right. And so their whole thing is you vet them through this long process. It's very difficult to get through, but then once you're through, it should be good. Otherwise you fire them immediately. You don't drag your feet. And, and I'll give one good example just on like bad hires. We, I've had a couple, you know, and we've been very fortunate, especially, um, I think in the last like four years, I've only had one person leave. Right. And it's for another opportunity out of state. But, um, you know, we've been pretty good at retention. But early on, you know, it's something we really struggle with, getting the right people on board. And I had Jeremy Anderson from Traeger. Jeremy Anderson earlier, one of my earlier episodes. And he talked a lot about company culture. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter how talented the person is. If they're not great at company culture, it doesn't matter how much value they bring. Like, you can't have them on board. Because they'll just ruin the camaraderie and the team. And so I found that a lot of times, like to your point, Zach, we're like, okay, I need this amazing project manager, you know, that has these skill sets, maybe has this, you know, they're savvy with technology or communication or how they run everything. And yes, that's really important, but you know, how does that personality integrate with the company? Right. And with everyone else that's there, that's with Zach, with your wife, your employees, like how, how does that person come in? And so I found that, experience is really important for those applying, but it's not everything. And, and then when you open up that net to, okay, 
we've been fortunate now to have, you know, success on different platforms through social media. So now we've met some great people like Paul who's come on. And so like Paul, he, you know, he had his own company. He had never been a superintendent. So he had never been like a manager, which is I'm putting on, on these like super complex builds. Right. And yeah. so I told him, I'm like, Hey Paul. And he's, he, I use this example with him and he's totally fine with it. Is it, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Like you're going to come on and I know I think looks great on Instagram, social media, but it's really hard. Like what you what I'm going to ask of you is really hard and it's going to take a toll and there's going to be days where you feel like giving up and whether it be backlash from subs or the client or both. And he said when he first came out, that's how he felt. But so a lot of that was vetting him, understanding him and say, okay, well, Paul, there's a lot of things Paul brings to the table, right? He's a company man in the sense that, hey, I, he's big on the branding and, and the value system we have at AFT. And here's what we're trying to achieve. I'm going to help our company get there. And, you know, I, he, he gets along great with every member of the team. And so bringing like someone like that, well, yeah, he might have some deficits here that we'll, we'll work on and train, but he has some strengths in now collaborating. And so I think with hiring, you have to look a lot bigger than just a specific role. And then more importantly, just create a product that that person believes in and then create an avenue where, as you mentioned, Zach, where they have a scope of work or understanding of how to be successful in that role and what, how that baton's moved. And if they understand that and culture, then you can really build around that. Well said. I mean, and how have you hired? It's not like you've been, what have you done? Because I mean, what's the size of, of your company right now? You you want a surprising you want a surprising answer? Yeah, <laughs> I got rid of everyone. In so it's my just company. you. So it's just me right now. I'm starting the beginning of this year. Um, and the reason I did that was uh, twofold. One was because I was I was sort of a little bit burned out. I I from sort of two years of sort of navigating COVID and running these projects. I was just I was just pushing really hard and I said, I'm gonna give myself a year off to sort of find myself and recenter. And the other thing was I was not able to my my team was so good, I wasn't able to put the benefits and the future in front of them that they they deserved because I was I was not removing myself from the sort of daily um task and i i'm i've sold i've sold more work this year than <laughs> than i have last year already so i have i have by volume m- more work and no employees um, <laughs> and i have two businesses now that i'm running instead of one what are the two uh, businesses? So I have a, I sort of broke off my company. I broke it into two. So originally we self-performed everything and we did remodels. And now there's a self-performing business that does cabinetry installs at Millwork. And that's called Classic Cabinet Installers. And then my lead painter formed Classic Cabinet Painting. So we have sort of two sister companies that sort of refer back and forth each other and then we work together on projects but the point being i have i have no employees and i want to make sure i wanted to take this year to build a business that when i rehired 
I, I had defined roles and I had a defined vision. And we're getting up on that time because these, uh, you know, these projects are going to hit eventually. Think, thankfully for supply chains, who knows when I'll get my refrigerator. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting and precarious place I feel like I'm in. But it's also, I've never had sort of more, more time with my family and a, a simpler life because I've had employees working for me for seven or eight years. And so how did, one of the most difficult things in that is firing or terminating or laying off or whatever it may be. How did you, how did you handle that? So what I did was basically, I, I told everyone, you can, I will help you start a business and I will, I can give you enough work to probably keep you busy all the time. Um, or, you know, I'd be happy to refer you to, to work for someone. But by the calendar year, year I'm, I, I can't have anyone working for me. I need, I need to sort of do some soul searching, but I also need to be with my children. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with the amount of time I was being present with my kids, even though my body was there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, it sort of all came together for me. I went, I was on an Island in Maine it was off the coast. I, I picked a place to go on vacation. It was so remote cause I wanted to just get away from work and I was receiving calls and it just, it just ruined it. And it ruined it for my wife. It ruined it for my sister and my brother-in-law. I was just in a foul mood because of what was going on. And I was like, this doesn't happen again. I'm not doing this to my family again, where I'm jeopardizing our trip um because we don't do it that often so um i don't know i'm i'm rambling i'm no no you're not because I i think what what you're speaking about like i can relate to and i think everyone listening can relate to is that and 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 let's just be real for a minute because you know this is probably something i've never shared on air you know is that we all deal with that i mean for me i i've tried to make as much time as possible I've realized with my, you know, my oldest daughter's graduating high school right now, right? She next mm-hmm. week on Tuesday and they grow fast and they're off their own. She's off on her own. She's leaving the house, you know? And, um, what's interesting is a couple of years ago, we go to Disneyland, you know, with the kids were there and I was dealing with the issue with one of my clients and it made that trip like so miserable. In fact, I've been to Disneyland since then. And when I'm at this specific location at Disneyland, I get this anxiety. Because I remember these phone calls I had with the client. That stress there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like so traumatic. And fast forward, we're in Cabo and it's like, you know, the next summer. And I just had this like, and so sometimes if it seems like every time I'm on vacation, like something goes wrong. And that's not how it is. It's just we run a business and it's very complicated. And so when you're sharing that story, Zach, I mean, it's super real to me because I look back and, and you just have these like anxiety moments dealing with certain issues, whatever they may be. I mean, my first time in New York, same thing. You know, it's like we land in New York, we're super excited. And then I'm dealing with this, you know, this client that things were not going great and it just, the anxiety. And it's like, I'm not an anxious person, but it just, it's hard owning a business. Like it's hard to balance and separate work from family. And then when that call comes in, because we're business owners, you're having to deal with it. Now it affects the mood of everybody else. Yeah. And if you want to be a present partner, if you want to be a present father, all of a sudden now your anxiety dealing with this issue 
is making you just feel guilty about how you're dropping the ball and compromising. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it sort of builds to this crescendo of, of mediocrity and misery all while you're on vacation, right? Ostensibly recharging your batteries. And, but how does it like, I guess my question for you is I understand the complexity with hiring and having people and, you know, but now, like you said, you've sold a ton of work. You have a ton of projects, a bunch on your plate. You know, now when you go on vacation, you don't have essentially a delegate. I mean, how do you, how do you manage, you know, that aspect of it? If, if you do have clients call, no one's there. And now you, you know, it still could disrupt the mood, if you will. I don't know. I, I honestly, I was apprehensive about being on this podcast because I've listened to it. And I thought, wow, there's so many people giving so much advice. And I'm at this very interesting point in my career where I don't have a clear vision of what's right for me. I know I have a very clear, defined version of success of how my day goes. I spend a certain amount of time with my children. I always put them to bed. I do not want to be, you know, like, like I have my values figured out, but I don't, I. I well, I'm going to interrupt you because, I mean, when you speak about values, Zach, and if I interrupt you is that. Even when you're going through your schedule and I watch you, I mean, for those that, you know, are watching YouTube will see it, but those that are just listening, you know, Zach's looking down, he has a schedule in front of him. I mean, you have this extremely calculated process of my organization, here's my process of my track, here's the cleanliness, but here's my schedule, here's when I'm doing video content, here's how I, you know, we have a time with my wife, I'm game plan. So that is value because most people aren't doing that to some level, whether it's Excel or whatever they're using to organize their week. Now, it doesn't mean, Look, I, I think it's simple to sit here and say, hey, through AFT, I have anything figured out. And I don't, you know, we have 16 employees, but it's every day is very complicated and every day we're putting out fires and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're trying to not just put out fires, but you're also saying, well, how can I prevent this fire from happening next time? And so this is a continual process for you and I to figure out our niche and our, you know, our business strategy and our, uh, our life plan, what's the next five years look like, but but the thing is, there's a lot of value you do, Zach, that you bring to the table that you offer. And it's things that we can implement and say, well, how efficient is my scheduling process individually? How am I managing my time? And is that the most efficient way to do it? Yeah, I, I think that's the one thing I felt this year. I feel more effective than I ever have because the last last year for me was so much cleaning up other people's mistakes that happened on my job. And I I have a very capable team. I have a very capable subcontractor group and I have very understanding clients, but design items change or supply chain, things don't show up and scheduling subcontractors is very tough right now. Um, And there's, you know, however wealthy my client is, there are wealthier people who are paying more. Um, so it's tough to it's it's tough to sort of play this game where where we feel way out of whack with like, did we really just spend that much just because I wanted to keep my timeline and I'm I'm fastidious about timing. I'm really weird about like going over time. So uh, it, I don't know. It, it's it's very, it's a very strange place I'm in now, but I don't know how I'm going to figure it out, but I, I need to, I need to 
have a little bit more organization so that I don't, even when things are chaotic, I feel like I don't need to solve them and I, I don't know how I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But, but to your point, you said you're more effective than ever. And I think, you know, that that can easily be lost in translation to someone listening is that there's one thing to be organized. There's one thing, you know, to categorize everything in your business and scope, but to be effective and really be efficient, right? That's, that's, that, that's that mixture that, that separates you from everybody else, right? Is understanding the confidence that, Hey, I, I'm more effective because I'm more effective than you because like I just am, or I figured it out or I've had the secret sauce, whatever it may be. And so if you can become effective, well, now, you can build on that, right? Because that's the core, that's the base. So mm -hmm. for you, Zach, I mean, just to explain, I mean, what is the scope of work on projects? Are, especially being a one-man band, now that you're doing the business development and marketing and video content and estimating and you're out there in the field, I mean, how much are you self-performing now? How much are you self-contracting? I mean, how has that model changed? So now we're effectively full sub on the construction project but i will subcontract to my other business <laughs> so yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll hire myself basically to do parts of the project that i feel um are more efficient or better done by us but the the debt more home improvements that was lump sum i've always meant fixed fixed cost is gone i'm i'm either charging a project management fee or I'm going to be cost plus. The reason I haven't switched to cost plus yet is because, and I'm sure you know this too, there's, there's a big learning curve there and there's a lot of financial tracking and I don't have the time right now or the experience to really nail that. So I've sort of transitioned to more of a project management fee and, and, and that has served me well. And it, it's surprising that it served me well in, in the fact that having a little bit of disconnection from these very expensive materials really makes me feel a little bit more objective when I'm saying, well, do you see the value in this $50,000 fireplace? When it was lump sum, I always felt like the clients were like, you're telling me it's 50000 What does it really cost that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. it's, it's 50000 <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to tell you <laughs> So there's something very freeing about that that um, I didn't expect. But um, the scope of work, I'll be managing it. Uh, my plan is to bring someone to handle the project itself so I can sort of deal with crises or complexities um, and really get stuck into the details that I enjoy with a tool belt. I, I don't ever see myself not self-performing a certain aspect of the business. but I would love to make a hire um, someone for someone in the next couple months who could who could really um, offer the client a better experience when it comes to project management. Um, because if that's off my plate, I can I can really um, expand the business a little bit more. Well, you touched on this and I, you know, for those that aren't as familiar with cost plus or lump sum, essentially cost plus is you're showing, you know, typically you're going to have like a monthly management fee or time card or whatever it is you're paying, you know, for the management plus you're doing a cost plus. So it's at, at your cost, you're sharing that, and then you're doing a markup 
and, and it's not really a markup, it's just a cost plus fee that covers the overhead of the business. I mean, anything that takes around a business as well as, um, you know, future warranty, you know, I mean, it's everything that goes into you owning the company, right, Zach? And, but what most people in lump sum is like, hey, here's the price. It's 50 grand for the fireplace, but the risk changes. So on a lump sum, all the risk is on you, Zach. Like if you tell them 50 grand, that's their price and you're dealing with all the risk and <laughs> you may win in some cases where you have some markup in there and you're, you're keeping that. And then you may lose in others, you know, as the economy changes or COVID like we've dealt with and whereas risk, you know, on a cost plus is the client, the client's taking the risk, but the, but the client has to understand that, yeah, they're taking the risk of just like the stock market, things can fluctuate lumber, steel, or PVC, whatever you're buying. But at the same time, the benefit is they're getting your pricing, your discount that you're offering as a contractor, right? But where it's really difficult is cost plus is, and it, and it took us as a company a, a, quite a while, a lot of networking to figure out how to run this properly. But the reality is there's a lot of paperwork because I have to show every single invoice, every document, you know, every lien waiver, everything that goes on every single item that goes into this custom house. And you're always in arrears, so you're always behind because I can only bill as I get invoiced. Right. And so your, your whip, your work in progress is always behind. And, you know, and, and, and there's a big burden there. And so people have to understand that going to Cost Plus, it protects you as a contractor to some extent. Um, but there's going to be a lot more labor, you know, to generate those pay applications, build a client and track everything. Yeah, I have noticed that. I, it's weird. I haven't noticed until you just said it that I was like, I have noticed I have less money all the time. Like I always have <laughs> less money. Because you're always behind. Yeah. I'm always just like, why is there no money? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the always, thing is it's coming, yeah. but it's like, where is it? <laughs> yeah. And and so you're at the mercy, like for us, you know, we're doing banks in a lot of cases, even if our clients have cash, they're gonna leverage, you know, interest rates that are now increasing, but they were low for a while. Is that you're you're doing the work for an entire month. You know, you're sending the bill, your cost plus is just your fees based on whatever work was complete mm-hmm. and subzone invoice. I can't put that in the pay app. And so it's not included. And so then I'm really behind if they don't bill me. And it's like you said, you're like always behind. And so you have to either offset that with deposits, you know, because at the end of the day, Zach, like you and I are not bankers. And I tell my clients, I'm not your bank. You know, you need to feed the meter. Like if you want this thing, I feed the meter. It's the same thing. My subs need to be paid like... <laughs> This is how this works. And I know we want to string the contract all the time and string people out, but it, you're, you're taking away any power I have to get people on the job side. Because if you're not paid, a lot of the companies we're dealing with are pretty small. Mm-hmm. So then from your side, Zach, I mean, just you broke apart your operation a little bit. So when you're self-performing and, and you mentioned the company setup, which I think is really smart for anyone that's self-performing, and this is really good value out whether you go to cost plus lump sum whatever having a separate llc or entity that you're paying yourself just like you'd hire a painter or t- trim carpenter you're paying yourself and so now you're allocating that cost so you you can diversify your costs and your llc's which is extremely bright it's very smart to do that and so just there's some value right there you just shared right but what you're doing trim carpentry paint cabinetry is there any other scope i mean you, you mentioned tile are you trying to do tile anymore or, or are you subcontracting all of that? So yeah, it'll be pretty much be all sub. So the the cabinet and millwork install business just does cabinetry and millwork. And then my employee, my former employee, started a um, you know, like a sister company is the same name, same branding, but um he, so he he tackles 
fine, you know, high end finishes. So he'll do all of all of that. Not my like wall painting, but built ins or accents or any sort of detail work. But pretty much, um, I've got a I've got a rather extensive full house renovation. So I will perform um, probably the millwork installation, and I will perform probably setting some of the windows because you know I want those to be right uh and and then i'm going to there there's some technical details with with some of the framing that i'll handle but i don't plan on doing anything aside from that um and then you know i'll probably be putting toilet paper holder on stupid things like that, that yeah I can't probably, you know, good old bath do. accessories <laughs> but that's that's how i'm going to handle these larger projects and um and then we'll still be on the cabinetry side. I'll probably hire someone to be installing, you know, who's just doing that, a, a carpenter. But right now, that business is only filling maybe two or three days a week. So there's, uh, there's not a full-time position there yet. But yeah. I, I, I only need one or two more uh, vendors to, to fill that schedule. Hmm. So what's your ideal client? Like, who are you selling to? So typically, my ideal client is someone who's renovated before. You're not going to hire me if, if this is your first time. Um, someone who is going to stay in their house long term, because I always tell people, you know, you're, you're only going to see the value of my work in a decade when compared to my competitors. It's going to look better in a decade. It's not going to look necessarily better in a year, um, because all the materials we specify they they don't deteriorate the same way. Um, and not you know not all my competitors, but but sort of the New Jersey standard. Um, right. So I mean, like an investor who's like trying to do a flip, you're not. There's not a huge benefit hiring you, right? You're looking for someone who this is their their primary, or, you know, an important residence to them. Yeah, that you know, I I, I talk with. 40 year olds and I and I say, you know, let's talk about grab bars. Let's talk about blocking. All right, how long are you gonna be in here? And they always like laugh about it and they're like, well, you know, ha ha ha. And I'm like, I'm like, well, not really. Are you serious? You wanna be here? You know, let's get some lighting in here. Your eyes aren't gonna you can always dim it down, but you wanna cut out the ceiling. And and you know, that I I'm gonna come in here, this is gonna be built right. And if if trend changes and you wanna rip it out, that's fine. But if you if you don't want to rip it out it'll it'll it should still be functional and i'm going to build it like it's still going to be functional because um and i'm also going to push them to shy away from exceptionally trendy things that are going to be dated instantly because um you know we rip out a lot of these hundred year old subway tile bathrooms they they are one they're well built so they lasted a hundred years but also they weren't super offensive they weren't pink they weren't uh loud or obnoxious they were sort of a generally good layout and they lasted a hundred years and let's try and give you something that is high quality um and you know architecturally significant enough bring in designers who are not um copying what's sort of trendy but gifted at what they do and building something that's different enough that it's going to stand the test of time um, Amazing. So anyway, people are going to be there for a while. That's it, and they have they have enough money to 
see that investment, see that they're going to save money in, in um, maintenance and, you know. Well, you've done a good job, not, not to <laughs> explain that here, but really setting that precedence. I mean, I, I'm always curious to watch other profiles and see how they convey that value or, you know, the quality and detail. And you've done a great job how you showcase just the level of detail that you go into in all of your projects. And you work in much more complex renovations than I do, <laughs> you know, with the, with the year of homes that you're in. So what do you do for fun? I mean, are you still mountain biking? I, I, I do mountain bike. My, my, luckily, my, my best friend who we've been mountain biking for years, there's three of us. We've been you know, mountain biking since we were 12. We all had kids at the same time. So now we're you know, mountain biking around with the kids and stuff. But the mountain biking, you know, a lot of hikes, you know, learning, you know, figuring out how playgrounds work, all that young kid stuff that you do. <laughs> but um, pretty much anything outdoors, that's, that's, that's my jam. And pretty soon set a golf club. I guess so. Yeah, I'm going to try that. I'm surprisingly into uh, theater and the arts for a construction worker. <laughs> to do a lot, of that. a lot of A lot of museums. Does that come from childhood, your wife? I mean, what's the influence? Or just you? Yeah, uh, my, my dad's an artist. My wife's, uh, my mother-in-law's an artist. Uh, so that was, you know, I, I, I don't do sports at all. But I do, I, you know, I know probably 40 musicals by heart <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so uh what's upcoming and exciting for you zach uh we got a couple cool projects coming up i got this uh what do i have i have a cool uh mid-century modern renovation and i've teamed up with a really uh uh great uh design team on it so they focus on cabinetry so they're sort of uh one of the more notable uh, designers in the area so i've been working a lot with them and so they're going to handle that part i'm going to handle all the construction and um it's a cool house because the it was built in the 70s but the company is still in business that made it so we're getting all of the new windows are are solid mahogany made from that same company in massachusetts so everything is going to be you know period replica exactly um the way it was except brand spanking new um, so I love those sort of shape shifty renovations where you you can't really tell what's new and what's old. So that that's going to be a fun one. Uh, probably start in September, unfortunately, because because uh, man, those cabinets are going to take a while to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much it. I'm excited to keep keep learning and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe make a new hire, maybe uh, do that. That's it's a frightening and fun prospect. Seeing if I can. Uh, reinvent reinvent the business a bit well it sounds like you've already done it i mean you've you're there now it's just taking the, the next step once you're ready so for those, what about you what do you have coming up <laughs> what are you excited about oh that's that's a good question i mean we um you know the my my daughter graduates high school so that's a big step just in the mm -hmm. personal life side you know my my youngest we have six kids my youngest starts kindergarten in the fall so Come this this next year, school year, you know, all my kids will be in school, which will be pretty neat. Um, and project wise, I mean, we have some amazing things coming up, like that are super exciting. For somehow, Zach, we're we're in the process of three homes that are all building lazy rivers. So, <laughs> have three wow, building, yeah, three lazy rivers coming in. They're all completely different, you know, the style. One's modern, one's a little bit more transitional, and so those are. And there's some other fun elements, and so. 
you know, we have the net zero home, you know, that you know about, and you know, that's been an amazing yeah, experience. Yeah, Matt came out rising and we did some videos on the Bill Show on that. And we have a ton of content that we'll release later on that house. And, you know, we'll finish that here in the fall and have a big grand opening. So if you and your wife are down in Arizona, we'll give you a tour. And um, so it's fun. You know, that's really opened up some doors, too, of where, where's construction going just from building science and sustainability and energy. And, you know, one thing I had a guest on, they do rose water, which are like the clean energy. And um you yeah, know, as the grid, one. yeah, as the grids become very unstable and we have a few projects with them, you know, it, it's interesting how we condition our energy and what that means with battery backup and storage. And so these are just conversations that it's like, well, we, we better understand this stuff. And especially living in Arizona, not just from a power, but from a water, we're in the desert. Let's, we got to be less foolish on how we utilize our water and catch rainwater and water irrigation, you know, and put in plants that are more succulent, you know, arid, mm-hmm. you know. To desert. And so just those things are very exciting and we've gotten very involved with some of our clients that are passionate about that and we share that passion. So, so that's fun. That's, so, that's, that's a good answer. I like it. <laughs> and then for you, Zach, like uh, for everyone listening and if you're not following Zach, make sure you go follow him right now after this episode. Cause he's just Do a, it. amazing and he's fun, I'll fun to watch and very entertaining. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 so where can they find you? Uh, I am, Detmore 101 on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only way to find me, Detmore.com. And uh, that's it. It's uh, If you're looking to hire me, it's not, it's D-E-T-T, not debt as in going into debt. <laughs> <laughs> that's your tagline. That's a good plug. You know, when you're not going into debt, it's D-E-T-T, not D-E-B-T. <laughs> Well, you've been amazing, Zach. I can't thank you enough. It's been long overdue. I've been excited to have you on today. So thanks for making time. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of you and the show. So it's, it's, it's an honor. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.